Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to this podcast for College Success Formula members. I'm Tom Bodorf, co-founder of College Success Formula. The title of tonight's podcast is Back to School, where each grade level needs to focus this coming school year. My special guest tonight is my colleague and friend, Mr. Dan Bissig. Uh, Dan's joining us from the wonderful state of Kentucky. Uh, Dan built his organization, College and Beyond, in 2006, after a 15-year career in financial planning. So for over 10 years now, Dan's been working with families with college-bound children in the areas of career assessment, college selection, college admissions, test prep, and how to pay for college, just to mention a few. So Dan, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks, Tom. It's great to be with you this evening. Well, Dan, you know, it's hard to believe, but we are nearing the end of yet another summer. Oh, my goodness. How did that happen? And that means, it flew by, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It means it's back to school time. So I'd like to go through the four high school grade levels and get your expert advice on the key goals, the key tasks that students should have for the coming year. So let's start off with freshmen. What are the primary tasks that freshmen should accomplish this year, Dan? Well, let's not forget that the best part about starting as a freshman is it's a brand new chapter of the book. Um, they finished up middle school, they're ready to move on. So the very first thing is you need to start off strong. In other words, no excuses, because the bottom line is you're starting with a 4.0 GPA. All you can do is go down off of that score. And so fixing a bad GPA is truly like turning the Titanic. Let's start with a really solid foundation from the beginning, because we don't want to have to try to recoup that GPA and fix that cumulative GPA long term. Sure. Um, number two, make it a point to read. Yep, that's what I said. Read. Read. Um, yeah, I, I'll tell you what, Tom, it's amazing to me. You know, one of the challenges that we run into is when students start taking the standardized tests, and we'll talk about that in, in the future grades, but invariably one of the problems is that they just don't read much. It, you know, and, and so it really is a, a, a challenge that these kids face because, as we know, the SAT and the ACT in particular and the PSAT that they'll be taking is a lot of reading. And sure. so I encourage students to do a whole lot more reading, be engaged, do it for fun, find topics that you enjoy doing. That'll really, really help you in the long run. Um, the third thing is it's not too early to start exploring your likes and dislikes. Um, and or to dream big. Um, mm -hmm. Why not, right? Sure. You know, I, I think part of the problem is our kids get so caught up in watching TV and the videos and their texting and, and all that kind of technology and things, but they don't take time just to sit down and think about and, and dream about what their future might look like. So consider things. Look at what your future opportunities might be, your career opportunities or majors that you might want to consider. Um, and then this is a biggie, even as early as the freshman year, even earlier if possible, um, the students really need to have the money talk with mom and dad. Ah. And it, okay, they absolutely need to talk about who and how they're going to as a family pay for college so that as they start to identify and think about schools in the future, that they're really in a good position so that finances don't become the, you know, the, the, the hook or the problem that they run into. Sure. You know, we, we find, Dan, I'm sure you've seen this too, when uh, when students in the ninth and 10th grades, when they start to get kind of stuck on a college, 
it's hard to pry them loose of that by the time they're seniors. And if it's a college that just really is out of reach financially, it can be devastating and emotionally for the family to try to draw them away from that school when their heart gets set on it. Sometimes we've got to hit that off at the pass, and the freshman year might be the time to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? The sooner you, you plant that seed, the better, because right. I, I totally agree with you. There's nothing worse than meeting with a family in the senior year where they allowed their son or daughter to go visit schools that were unrealistic financially. Yep. And then, unfortunately, in many cases, I become the bad guy because I've got to tell this student, I'm sorry, but that school isn't going to work for you. You know, and, and you only hope that in that case that they've got backup schools, you know, something that's right. going to work. And so it's, it's really, really critical that they start to talk about the money situations now, understanding that over the next four years, things could change either for the better or for the worse but better to at least have an understanding now so that they're really, again, looking at the right kinds of places. And that way you don't turn out to be the dream crusher. <laughs> Amen. That's the truth all the time. And, and we do sometimes, you know. But, yeah. but, but you know what? I, I've always said I'd rather be the dream crusher before it gets too late as opposed to seeing these families take these leaps. We know what happens. We know the stats of all the students who do go to college where they really can't afford it and how devastating financially that can be for the entire family, for mom and dad, their retirement plans and everything else. So I'd rather cut it off early at the pass and be seen in some cases kind of as the the bad guy, the dream crusher. But you know what? In reality, I've done them a favor, and as you've oh, yeah. experienced too. <laughs> in, in the long run, you're really a hero. And I mean, That's and, true. And the reason you are is because I've gotten so many um, thank yous from parents of saying, thank you for being the person who could tell my student no. <laughs> Right? There you go. Boy, that, that's a nice message to get. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Yeah, it sure is. Well, Dan, so next sophomores, what should sophomores accomplish this coming school year? Okay. Well, the first thing is, you know, we know that academics are important, but it's really a great time during your sophomore year to start doing things inside and outside of your school or uh -huh. even your church for that matter. Uh-huh. In other words, um, one of the things I talk a lot about is what is your hook going to be or what is it that is going to set you apart when it comes to your application and the essays that you write in the future based on what you've done um, with your free time? Now, you know, let's face it, there's lots and lots of opportunities out there, um, lots of organizations locally that students can get involved with. But the bottom line is do something that's really going to stand out for all the right reasons. So that's number one. Uh -huh. Number two, if you're going to do that, how about being a leader? Actually lead something. Jump in there and take a little bit of, of risk, you know. Try something new. Um, if you're traditionally someone who's kind of quiet and standoffish, maybe this is your opportunity to, to blossom and do something big. Um, the other thing is the sophomore year is a great time to start taking practice standardized tests. Uh -huh. Do the PSAT. Go ahead and take your SAT or your ACT for the first time, mm -hmm. just so that you can get kind of a foundational score to understand where do you need to really focus your attention. And that's really important, depending upon the kind of math in particular that the student has taken. Um, you sure. know, as you can imagine, as students continue to progress, and sometimes students even as uh, early as the eighth grade have already taken Algebra one, and then they're taking Algebra two and Geometry, well, we know that those tests have a lot of pre-algebra, algebra, algebra, and geometry in them. So, um, boy, if you can take those tests and really use the skills that you still have mm -hmm. now, what a great way to do it. Um, and maybe take some pressure off later on. 
Now, Dan, are you thinking for sophomores mainly towards the end of the sophomore year, like like the May and the June sittings? Would that be ideal? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the reason being, again, is it all comes back to which math are you in? Um, right. If a student's taking, for example, geometry in that sophomore year, mm-hmm. what a great time for you to be able to get in there and take that test for the first time so that you can really mm-hmm. get uh, an understanding of, again, those areas that need some assistance. Now, what about subject tests? Should they t- consider, in some cases, subject tests in the sophomore year? Absolutely. I, you know, because if you think about it, students are earlier and earlier in the high school um uh, years taking AP exams. And so they've already got the content. They've already been working right. through those things. Why not go ahead and take that? Or maybe you just absolutely love a particular subject. You may not even be taking AP U.S. history, but boy, you love history. Why not do that that subject test? That could be a great way to get that to build those up earlier versus waiting until your junior or senior year when the pressure really, really builds up on you. And they're kind of rusty on some of those, uh, some of that class material a year later, right? <laughs> exactly. They sure are. Yeah. And and we also know that, you know, during the summer months, students a lot of times disconnect, right? They already covered sure. the subjects. And that's the hardest part about it is getting yourself back in line with it. Got it. So. Got it. Very good. Okay. We're up to juniors. What should juniors accomplish uh, through this year? Well, without a doubt, hopefully by this point in time, you've given consideration to, again, the careers that you're looking at wanting to, to focus on, as well as the majors, and okay. have already started to search for colleges. And by the way, that can even start as early as the sophomore year. There's really no reason you can't if you've got a really good, defined future career path that you're looking at. Uh-huh. But I absolutely believe if you do that, that then you create your short list and you start to go visit colleges. Because here's the problem. We have students that are busier than ever before, right? They're That's involved sure. in their academics, with clubs in school, with sports. Boy, if you throw sports in there, it really, really complicates the situation. Mm-hmm. And so the sooner they can start doing college visits, the better, because it really does help to take the pressure off. Um, the other thing I will say with the junior year, it is looked at as the most important year for a whole lot of reasons, specifically because of your uh, GPA, mm-hmm. you know, Everything adds up at the end of your junior year, and it's your cumulative GPA that is sent off to the colleges by the counselors. And so be super-duper careful about that and also realize that in a lot of cases, it's also when the heavy-duty advanced placement or IB classes are really starting to be taken is during that junior year. So make sure that you focus on your academics. Uh, Continue to do test-taking. Uh, without a doubt, you know, the standardized test, because we know during that, uh, during the fall is when the PSAT has to be taken. The GPA is still a critical part. Um, and then one last thing that, that absolutely can start really at any time, but go for those outside scholarships. Ah, okay. As early as the junior year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's just some great resources that are out there where students can start looking for them. And and granted, you're going to find that some of those scholarships are really focused more on the seniors, but there are opportunities out there for students that are even as early as, heck, freshmen, sophomores, or juniors. Mm-hmm. You know, fewer. Sure. But I'm of the opinion, use your junior year in particular to look at the opportunities that you could apply for in the senior year so that you've already gone through the sifting process and and identify those that make the most sense for you as a student. And define the process in the junior year so it's kind of a, a practice time so they can really refine their, their procedure for applying it, for them it, in the senior year. It is. And you know what? Really what it comes down to is look at yourself, 
take a um, an interview or uh, look at your resume of accomplishments and and really do an assessment of yourself as to what types of scholarships should you be pursuing because of what you bring to the table. Uh-huh. You know, is it a particular hobby that you have or a skill set that you have? Um, is it a particular you know life situation that you have or a health situation that you have? Whatever it is. Go looking for those opportunities and then be prepared versus waiting until, you know, very late in the game and it puts just a lot of pressure on you again. You know, Dan, regarding the college list, I know that that's such a an important thing and I, I get more questions from families, students and parents on, you know, how to build that college list. And first of all, how many colleges do you like to have on the final college list? What are we working towards? Well, in, in my case, you know, I look at anywhere from six to eight, maybe 10 uh-huh. colleges at the most. Okay. Um, because of the fact that you want to have some schools that, I mean, as they define it in our industry, you know, the schools that are maybe reaches either academically or financially, those could be some of your big dream schools. Uh-huh. Some of the schools that are 50-50 where it could go either way. And then, of course, your safety schools where you know you're going to be able to afford the school and be able to get in. And... Um, Really where things get a little wild and crazy, Tom, and I know you can relate to this too, is when students start to cross above the 10, you know, they're going after 15 or 20 schools. Yes. Because of the volume of things that have to be done now, you know, the essays that have to be written and the applications that have to be completed. And well, you just name it, right? I mean, it's it's amazing. You know, Lorene, my wife Lorene uh, is on all kinds of great uh, Facebook groups and so forth. And she was on one recently, and I think it was uh, a financial aid one, I believe. And she said there was a counselor on there who endorsed her students applying to these unbelievably high number of colleges. I believe they were up in the 80s, like 85 colleges and she had developed what she thought were strategies not my wife this person on the facebook group wow developed strategies for getting all of these offers then kind of you know playing one against the other and so forth and i mean everybody else on this site was just completely coming down on this on this person for the strategies the time element imagine dan the time to apply to 80 some colleges and writing the essays and everything else. I mean, it was just insane. So we, we like about, what, maybe 8 to 10 on the high end, right? Just to clarify right. for everyone listening tonight. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> 8 to 10 on the high end because, again, remember, it's the balancing act of what's got to go on. You know, right. It's still very heavy into their academics, and they have all the clubs and the sports and all stuff. Plus, they've got to do the essays. Plus, they do, have to do the applications. I mean, it can become yeah. – an incredible, incredibly taxing process. Almost a full-time job. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it sure can. That's right. Now, so if eight to 10 colleges is our, our end goal, um, on the preliminary college list, when they're just starting to kind of feel the way around what colleges might be, you know, good fits and having, you know, good major for them and develop a, you know, great uh, career in, on the back end of it and so forth and affordable, um, how many should they start out with? Oh, gosh. Now, that's a loaded question, Tom, because, you know, the one thing I will tell you is it, it comes down to the amount of research that the kids are going to do. Right. Um, you know, and so I think we can agree that you've got four or five factors that are always coming into the conversation. Yeah. We've got the financial side because it's got to, like you said, it's got to fit them financially. It's got to be the right academic fit, um, if at all possible, although you and I both know, know that there's a lot of kids that go off to college and they change their majors. Um, Very common. You know, you know, so that's an issue. It's got to be the right social fit 
the right geographical fit. And boy, if, if you're playing sports, it's got to be the right athletic fit. So those five, five dynamics can really ebb and flow the number of, you know, colleges that they may be looking to apply to. Right. Um, and most importantly, it's as they whittle it down and, and try to figure out, okay, which of these schools are we now going to visit? Because, you know, if you've got 20 colleges, 85, I can't even imagine how in the world could you ever visit them? And you couldn't, You right? couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. No. I, I mean, even if you started as a freshman, you're not going to be able to visit that many schools. Yeah. Uh, probably. I mean, but so the fact of the matter is you you intend to, with your short list, get it to the point where you've got a chance to go visit these schools, because if you apply totally blind to the school without really knowing what it looks like, and I mean, all the the variables that come into it, you really could end up costing yourself and become a statistic yeah. for all the wrong reasons. Right, right. You know, there's a couple more parameters too that that I've come in the last couple of years come to really question parents about. Uh, a lot of students these days have a pretty strong political element, and, mm. and there's a lot of kids too that have a very strong spiritual component. You know, uh, at that age, so I, I I really caution parents to put that into the mix as well. Because if there's a really, really bad cultural fit, you know, um, boy, it could be disastrous. And they can really, really feel like uh, they're, they're not getting anywhere and they're not fitting into the culture of, of the college. Do you, do you find that as well? I totally do. Yeah, it, there's no doubt that there are so many dynamics that come into the, that part of it, which is why, again, I think it's so important to get on the college campus and do the visit and Absolutely. talk to the students and hear what the admissions people say. I mean, it's just all those parts of it that you've got to hear what's going on. I mean, pick up a copy of the paper when you're on campus. So you've got a chance to get the vibe of what's happening on campus, good and bad. Right. Right. Um, you know, and then make sure that you keep up with their, their, um, posts, you know, what kinds of things are going on because you sure don't want to put your student into a situation where, you know, they're jeopardized for all the wrong reasons. I'm sure you've seen this too, Dan. Uh, some of the college lists that I see with families when they first come into our office for the very first time. Um, I'll never forget the most extreme one I ever saw was uh, a, a real, real sweet young lady. And, uh, and she happened to be an evangelical Christian. So she had a wonderful school in San Diego called, called Point Loma Nazarene. Wonderful, small school, about 2,500 students, mandatory chapel. And, and on the same list, same college list was UC Berkeley. And, and the, the, the flavor of these two campuses, just the overall culture is so incredibly different that I, I would submit to any family out there that there's very few students who would really comfortably fit into both of those campuses. It, it'd be kind of one or the other. You know, there's a lot of that are just kind of moderate, you know, kind of middle of the road when it comes to politics and so forth and even even the spiritual element. But very few students would fit into two that are so extreme. So we've got to really take that component uh, into account as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and it just shows you, you know, being here in, in uh, Kentucky, um, I mean, it's an eye-opening experience when I have students consider the East Coast or the West Coast, sure. for example, because life's just different, you know? Right. Um, and so um, there's no doubt. I mean, just like kids from, from those areas – could be challenged when it comes to, you know, coming to school in Kentucky, going to the University of Kentucky <laughs> or Louisville or wherever, you know, for the same reasons. Um, so, yeah. no, you're absolutely right. There, it, it, which is why 
students can't just take it for granted of going to these rating agencies or these buying this book and seeing that this school's at the top of the list. (laughs) They've really got to take the school for a test drive and do all the research they can so they can make sure it really is a good fit for them. There's no substitute for campus visits. You know, there's a lot of great websites now with these virtual tours and so forth. And and I love them. And it's a great place to start, but it it is not the end all. They all kind of get looking the same they're, they're, they're wonderful marketing, you know, um, types of, of um, organizations that put together these, I mean, gorgeous videos. They all kind of start looking the same, though, don't they? It's always a beautiful sure day, you know, <laughs> never a cloud, there's never slush, you know, after a snowstorm. They're always beautiful. There's, there's always the kids playing Frisbee, and there's no students that are upset about just having bombed a final. You know, they all kind of look the same. You've got to get on campus and experience it because that, that's such a big part of this whole experience. And you, you like to have that done primarily by the end of the junior year or the summer coming into the senior year? Um, ab- well, either one, but I mean, absolutely, it's got to be finished because, yeah. again, you get into the senior year now and boy, are these kids ever busy, right? I mean, yeah. and it becomes a challenge of when are they going to find the time again to continue to visit uh, these schools, yeah. to get to these campuses and things like that. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's critical that you try to get that done. That's why I even, again, suggest as early as the sophomore year, if you've sure. got a pretty good handle on what you're thinking of doing and sure. the junior, or junior years. So you know, that, that first semester senior year, do you think it's safe to say that the first semester senior um, year is probably the busiest and potentially the most stressful for most students? Oh, I, I would agree, because yeah. when you think about all that they've got to get done in a short period of time, and also right. the fact that in some cases, not all, but in some cases, those grades that they're going to be getting in those classes could get added into their total sure. GPA. There's a lot of pressure. Not only that, but what if they didn't get around to taking the standardized tests? I mean, I run into this all the time. I have students that because they're doing like a spring sport or a fall sport, yeah. they could not take the test because, of course, that's on a game day or a day when they're watching videos or whatever, you know, a game game footage, I should say. Yeah. So. Because of that, that that can gets keep keeps getting kicked down the, the road, and before they know it, they're starting their senior year going, oh my gosh, I I need to get what kind of an ACT to be eligible for both admissions and scholarships at this school, and then the pressure is heavy duty because here's the other thing, a lot of these students also have summer homework assignments. Sure. And so they're even doing that during the summer, trying to get themselves, you know, as we're coming. So it starts to pile up is what happens. It, it just really becomes a very complicated mess for them. You know, Laureen found a stat, I think this was probably in the last year or two, that amazed me. And, and she found a stat, a resource that said that about a, one half of seniors in high schools across the country have not taken a standardized test, an ACT or an SAT. One half. That, that blew me away. It still does, if that's wow. even anywhere near accurate. But one half of students, this source claimed, has not taken a single test. So they're under a lot of pressure to do very well that, that first time. And then you couple that, of course, with all the, the college admission process, the essays, Absolutely. the applications, and the final visits and all. I mean, it really can be a stressful time for not just a student, but especially moms. I find moms take the brunt of the... <laughs> of the stress, it seems. <laughs> well, and, and that's exactly right. I mean, Tom, that's what I was going to say. You know, the, the stressors, the, the, the key things that the seniors have got to do for sure is it's application time. 
Okay. Yeah. You've worked and you've done all this research and all these visits and all this other kind of stuff. Now you've got to get this applications done. And you and I both know that those applications can be started earlier. I mean, they can absolutely yeah. be started even in May um, of the junior year because, uh -huh. you know, some of the essay topics come out at that point in time. So students can be working on that. Plus they're working on these applications, trying to get them done. And granted, there are some schools where those applications don't open up until August the 1st or September the 1st or whatever that might be. Uh -huh. But boy, you add all of that on top of, gosh, I may have to still take some more standardized tests. Uh, I may still have to visit some colleges. I still have to do well in my current uh, classes that I'm taking and I'm playing a sport. Wow, I don't know how you do it. I just don't <laughs> know how they do it. And you know, it can become a mess. Well, we've kind of migrated into this senior year now. So let's yeah. wrap up with the seniors. What about seniors? What should they accomplish? What do they need to do here through their final year in high school? Well, once again, I, there is no doubt that um, the senior year is the critical year to get all those applications out to the colleges that you're considering. And deadlines, deadlines, deadlines. It's all about getting your paperwork submitted in a timely fashion so that you've got the best chance of both getting admitted to the school and ultimately, we hope, getting some scholarship dollars put on the table. Um, it never fails, though, that what happens is students get caught up in the busyness of their lives and they may potentially miss deadlines, which can be, you know, a, a huge travesty because suddenly, you know, maybe they missed a scholarship deadline or let me give you an example. Uh, in my state, again, the big flagship university has a deadline of December the 1st. Well, unbeknownst to just about everybody in the state until pretty recently, they didn't realize that it had a rolling scholarship process. So what that meant was that students as early as September the 1st could start submitting their applications. And by doing that, they would then be considered for scholarships as those came in versus everybody thought, hey, it's a December 1st deadline. That means I can apply by December the 1st and I'm still good to go with the scholarships. Oh, wow. Well, guess what? By that point in time, a lot of the money is gone. Sure, sure. And so that's why, again, you have to make sure that you're on top of those deadlines to get things submitted. You've got to continue to do great with your classes that you're taking in school. You absolutely now are in the thick of it as far as going after scholarships that are available out there. You know, with any of the, the big scholarship search engines, you know, making sure that you're careful about how many you're, you're getting yourself uh, connected with because that could paralyze you, you know, with all the opportunities that come through. Um, and so, you know, the, the bottom line is that you need to make sure that you're finishing strong. Think of it. You've worked hard your freshman, sophomore, and junior years only to get to your senior year. And now you got the big push. Now we've got the sprint to the finish line. And so it's really, really critical that you're doing what you have to do. You know, Dan, I've heard just a very few examples. It doesn't happen often, but I, I heard a number oh, probably two, three years ago. And I, I think the number was like in the in the the teens or maybe it was uh, you know 20 or 30 it was a relatively low number but every year there's a number of students who are admitted into some of our schools here in California like the, the UCs let's say and they get this extreme case of senioritis and really bomb out they still graduate they get their diploma but they really bomb out their from a grade standpoint and I've heard on it is rare but it does happen doesn't it where 
a school can actually pull that offer for admission. I've heard as late as July and August. I mean, imagine the devastation when you, you've, you've been accepted, all your ducks are in a row, so you think, and then you get a letter or a phone call or an email or a text from your university that you're planning on attending in another month or so. And it says, we're so sorry. We received your final transcript, and you know it, it doesn't meet up to the standards under which we accepted you. Uh, I've not had that happen to any of our clients, of course, but I've heard of some extreme situations where that has indeed occurred. Have you ever heard of such such situations? I have, yeah, Tom. It, it's I've heard it does the happen, same thing. It? Yeah, it does happen. And in fact, it's the students who just assume there's that nasty word. They assume <laughs> that because they did so well through their junior year that ah, I can take it easy my senior year, you know. And yeah. okay, so I didn't turn in those papers, or so I didn't do this. The problem is, again, it's it's like turning the Titanic and the fact that if you get behind, it's so difficult to turn yourself away from that iceberg Right. and truly to deal with the catastrophic effects of the fact that, oh my gosh, I didn't finish strong, and they can come back and rescind the scholarships and the admission offers. And the schools always demand the final transcript. They want to make sure the student did graduate and graduated strong. That's right. And let's not forget what happened this year, right? We saw that with one of the UCs, right, where they came back and they suddenly were going to rescind. For, wasn't it 499 offers that they made out there? Something Some, like that. Something like that, yeah. And and their final rationale for doing it was that they said that there were pieces of the process they were missing. Either transcripts didn't get in on time or tests didn't get in on time. You know, who knows? But here's here's the thing. Back to your point unbelievable to think that by that stage of the game, I'm talking July, first part of August, you would have already let all the other colleges know that I'm not coming there. That's right. And you now, I mean, what are you going to do? What's your backup plan going to be in that situation? I mean, it's just a horrific place to put yourself in. So students, especially seniors, do not get a case of senioritis because it will cost you. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> it could right. Cost you anyway. That's right. We don't want to see that happen. Well, Dan, do no. you have any any final advice before we we leave this uh, this evening? Uh, two biggies. Number one. Okay. Be careful what you post on social media Ooh, because it can advice. be held against you. Yes. And and not only that, be careful who you friend on social media because. You know, you can get caught in a in a pickle with that as well because of the type of you know ah, connections that you've got there. Good point. Yeah, because these colleges are absolutely looking at that type of information because they want to know if you're bringing any bad baggage with you that mm-hmm. could you know could um, tarnish their prestigious college reputation. Okay, so be careful. The second thing is whatever you do in this college process, no matter when you start it, do not procrastinate. Uh, you will hate yourself, and your mom and dad will will be <laughs> after you too, and they'll be coming, you know, to, to to bug you. But procrastination will kill you in this process. So you've got to do everything you can to stay ahead of the game. I promise you, if you will, you'll celebrate it when you're getting things done before your friends are getting things done, and they're still talking about you know the stresses of having to get applications and essays and things like that submitted. So do not procrastinate. Excellent tips there. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Well, Dan, I want to thank you for joining us tonight and for all of this great information. Now, if anyone has any questions for you, how can they best contact you, Dan? Um, Two ways. They can call me uh, on my phone number at 859-283-2655. 
or they can always um, send me an email at danbissig, which is B as in boy, I-S as in Sam, I-G as in George, at collegeandbeyondllc.com. Excellent. And before we do sign off, Dan, I want to be sure to mention your new book, College Entrance Game Plan. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we close? Oh, absolutely. So um, Ryan Clark and I wrote this book, and, and it's really a roadmap for families to follow where it takes them through every step of the college process. Um, it also includes timelines that they can use from as early as the seventh grade all the way through the 12th grade. Mm -hmm. And it really just becomes a solid book that helps them connect the dots of the college process. And um, as a special offer to your listeners, one of the things that I'm doing is that there's a special discount code that you can use to be able to buy a, um, uh, an ebook copy of that, that uh, book. And that code is the uh, letters CSF. And if you put that in on the discount code on our website or on my website, which is collegeandbeyondllc.com, then you can get that discount on that uh, ebook version. Well, thank you for that, Dan. Excellent. And, and we totally endorse that book here at College Success Formula. It's a marvelous book for every grade level. We strongly suggest you take advantage of that generous offer. Well, I want to thank all of the College Success Formula members for joining us tonight. And whether you're listening to us live this evening or the recording at a later date, and I do encourage you to visit Dan's website, that's collegeandbeyondllc.com. And again, for the workbook for the College Entrance Game Plan, the promo code, the discount code, CSF, as in College Success Formula. Uh, you're sure to find some great information on Dan's site. Okay, so as always, we're here to help you plan for your child's college success, and you can contact us at support at collegesuccessformula.com. So until next time, take care and may God bless. Good night, everyone.